Are you interested in learning more about how to start your Salesforce career? Be sure to register for our next live webinar showing you exactly how the Salesforce Career Development Program works, our latest statistics, and up-to-date information about what's going on in the Salesforce ecosystem. To register now, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash live. That's talentstacker.com forward slash L-I-V-E. We look forward to seeing you on the next live webinar. Oh, wait, what is the secret sauce? <laughs> you can't just say that and then leave us hanging. Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the Salesforce, Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's episode, four of our Talent Stacker alumni share why they left the healthcare industry for a new Salesforce career. I mean, it's really caregiver fatigue. You just see so much in healthcare that you almost kind of shut yourself off mentally and emotionally from it because if you don't then you take it home. They also open up about some of the fear and uncertainty that held them back from making the pivot. So I can tell you that I was scared that I wouldn't get a job. You know, I'm doing this whole new thing and what if it doesn't pan out? That was scary. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's episode, we're going to have some fun because we have a lot of special guests and you're going to find out who they are in just a moment. But we're going to be focusing on transitioning from a career in healthcare to a career as a Salesforce professional. So for anyone out there listening who is in a healthcare role right now, or you know someone who is in a healthcare role that might be interested in pivoting into a tech career, this is going to be an episode to really center in on and make sure you listen close. As always today, I have Anita Smith with me to help cover this topic. So how's it going, Anita? Hey, it's going pretty well. I'm actually just remembering that I haven't been to the doctors in a few years. Now that we're doing this healthcare episode, I probably should schedule a checkup soon. Anyways, I wanted to introduce our panels our first guest, she actually has been on the podcast already. You can find her story on episode 11. But welcome back, Carly Myers. Hey, guys. It's uh, good to see y'all all again. And I'm, I'm happy to be back. Since I talked to you last, I've now been with my current company for six months now. I was a home health physical therapist assistant for eight years, but I've been in the healthcare industry for 14 so this last six months has been a whole lot of fun and a whole lot of new, exciting things. Thank you. And our next guest is Rafael Castillo. He's a longtime talent stacker. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. As Anita said, I'm Rafael Castillo. I was previously a primary care physician in the Philippines. I was practicing for a little over 10 years, about 11 or 12 years I'm actually a U.S. citizen, so my wife and I came to the States, tried our hand at trying to get residency positions that didn't end up working out for the both of us. And after a few different tries of different things, I eventually found Talent Stacker in Salesforce. And for the past three months, I've been working at a uh, partner consultancy, and I've been learning a lot, and it's been an enjoyable ride. Thank you. And our third guest is Lori Tibbetts. I've been watching her grow as she has been pivoting this career, and she has just been amazing on LinkedIn and with personal branding. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Like Anita said, I'm Lori Tibbetts. I used to be a bedside nurse for 16 years. And for the most part, it was with 
physical rehab. <laughs> and it was a very fulfilling job. My latest, before I switched to Salesforce, uh, I was at a special care unit and it was a very demanding job for nurses, but I was loving it, except that during the pandemic, it got really awful, <laughs> like short staffed and whatnot. And I found Tana Stacker and joined that. It's been an amazing ride. <laughs> amazing. And our final guest, Lisa Mayo. Welcome. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. So I am uh, currently a project manager at a marketing and fundraising firm. Before that, I was a business analyst at a large consulting firm. Previously, my healthcare experience was over 10 years of support for healthcare administration. So very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having us. All right. So thank you so much for the introductions, everybody. And I've put some thought into how I want to kick this episode off. And really what I think is you know, the question in my mind and probably the question in a lot of people's minds, and that is why shift from healthcare into a career in technology as a Salesforce professional. And I think with the the specific question, you know, would be, yes, why shift? But what was the point? Because I'm sure for some amount of time, you were probably considering something different and you probably considered a few different things before you landed on Salesforce. So what was that trigger that you said, you know what, that's it. Finally, I've got to pull the trigger. And maybe you think you should have done that sooner now that you've gone through this process, like maybe you would have done that sooner. So I just love to hear what it was that really convinced you that I've got to go find something different. And now's my time to do that. And if you don't mind kicking us off, Lori, that would be amazing. Yeah, it was getting really to the point that I just wanted to get out of nursing. And I didn't mind whether I end up with a job at Walmart or in a local grocery store. It was that bad. <laughs> I really wanted out. And when I encountered Talent Stacker and the challenge, the five-day challenge for Salesforce, I kind of Googled if there is a way to marry Salesforce and healthcare. And I ended up with Health Cloud. Awesome. Who wants to go next? That was that was excellent. I, I love a lot of what you mentioned there. So yeah, just really ready to to pull the trigger. So yeah, does anybody else want to dive in on what made you want to take the shift? I am right there with Lori in regards to like the burnout. I mean, it's really caregiver fatigue. You just see so much in healthcare that you almost kind of shut yourself off like mentally and emotionally from it. Because if you don't, then you take it home. And then once it's home, it, you know, it doesn't go away. But yeah, for me, like the burnout, I remember real specifically, I drove 186 miles one day because I saw patients in their home environment and I just came home just bawling. Like I can't do this anymore. Like it's just physically and emotionally and, you know, spiritually like taxing. And that was my limit point right there. I'll go ahead and share why I made the shift. Uh, so mine had to deal with feeling a little stuck. So I had been with a certain practice for about eight years and during that time, I earned my bachelor's and my PMP, and I was looking for an opportunity to grow. And I was having kind of a hard time pivoting to another position within the company and then also externally. So I was looking for an opportunity to grow, to increase income, and I've always been kind of frugal. And I was listening to the Choose FI podcast and heard Anita's story, and that's how I learned about Salesforce. So a little 
thank you to Anita there for sharing her story because I know she's had such a big impact on so many folks, including me. So that's kind of what pivoted my desire to learn Salesforce and to also kind of design my lifestyle and to be able to go into that ecosystem. Well, as for my story, mine is a little bit different than uh, what everyone else has mentioned so far, because my story kind of goes into the intricacies of the uh, medical training system here in the United States. Because basically, if you want to be a practicing physician here in the U.S., you have to undergo residency training in order to be a licensed physician. So if you're in my case, you have people who graduate from a non-U.S. medical school. For In my case, it was the Philippines, but you have people who go to the Caribbean, Mexico, Europe, or anybody who graduates from a school abroad. Basically, you have to go through basically a set of exams, and then once you pass those exams, you apply to different hospitals or universities to these basically residency training programs. And there's really not that many positions. So you have quite a lot of people applying for a certain number of positions, and not everybody is going to get a position. So usually, uh, almost all U.S. medical graduates will get matched into a program. And you have people such as myself that end up not getting matched in. So usually, if you're someone applying from abroad, you go back to your country of origin, and then you practice there. For me, that wasn't really an option because I brought my wife here, and we were planning on spending a life here, or starting a life here. So we basically had to um, look for other options. My wife is a medical laboratory scientist by training for her undergrad, so she shifted into that. For me, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I actually got certified as an EMT in New York City. I was trying to see if I could get into the FDNY. Uh, I was looking at nursing programs that I could possibly do as a uh, post-bachelor's training. I also did uh, web development training through um, Team Treehouse. And after a couple of these different fits and starts, I actually also discovered Talent Stacker through uh, the Choose FI podcast. It was a little bit before Anita's uh, episode. I actually listened to the original Talent Stacker podcast with Jonathan and Bradley. And I signed up for it maybe a couple of months after it originally started, the 5A Challenge. And I actually didn't join the first time through because it's one of those things where it sounds too good to be true. And I really hadn't heard of Salesforce before. Like, if it's this big company, why haven't I heard about it before? But that's one of the things. It's like one of those stealth companies that it's really big. And unless you are in tech or somehow use it in uh, part of your job, you really don't know about it. So a couple months later, I happened upon Anita's episode, Denison's episode. So I decided to try it again. And that's when I, I... eventually joined the program. And again, it's been quite a ride ever since. Um, We're so happy you joined. So as you guys were going through this process, aside from not knowing if Salesforce was a real thing or not, what other fears came up in your mind? So I can tell you that um, I was scared that I wouldn't get a job. 
So I was putting it out there on LinkedIn, following all the steps. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing this whole new thing. And what if it doesn't pan out? That was scary. You know, you're putting it out into the universe and not quite sure if it'll happen. So that was one of my fears. For me, it's not that I did not have a tech background. That was my fear. I knew I could learn the tech. My fear was that I will be competing with a lot of people. In nursing, <laughs> you go anywhere, you can get accepted anywhere. You will have a job. Here, I'm like, how do I even let others know that I exist? <laughs> how can I let the potential employers know that I have the minimum knowledge to do the job? So that was what was nagging me during the first few months. And I guess I found a secret sauce. <laughs> Oh, wait, what is the secret sauce? <laughs> you, you can't just say that and then leave us hanging. Well, um, I discovered that the Salesforce Ohana is really uh, very encouraging, even of those people who are just entering the ecosystem and just learning. And that's why I, I thought I'd show the app that I built. And even though I was really afraid I might get criticism from those experts, all I got was encouragement, messages of, well, something like, what you did is inspiring. Now I want to make an app for my so-and-so hobby, you know, something like that. And because of that, I kind of got addicted into the app building. Then I created my portfolio and made a very, very short clip of that. And so many people were asking me questions. And because I've already seen how receptive they were of what I could share, I took the courage to offer a workshop for portfolio building, and that further boosted my popularity. Yeah, Lori, like you came out of nowhere and just <laughs> exploded on LinkedIn. You definitely found the secret sauce, such a supportive community. I'm curious, I know a couple of people still need to answer the fear question. But when I asked this question, I really thought one of the answers would be like, oh, I'm not going to make enough money. Like I spent all this money on college and a degree, and I'm just completely going to switch careers and I might not make as much money as I used to. Was that not a fear at all in anyone's head? Is there anyone here who's making more money now at a Salesforce career than they were before? Yes, I am making a ton more than I was uh, doing home health uh, physical therapy. It's got to be, what did we discuss? I think it was like 30% higher than my highest take-home pay was back in 2017, like prior to COVID, because I was paid per visit and, you know, COVID hit and my visits tanked. But I mean, Anita, back to your fear question, I think my biggest thing was the imposter syndrome. You know, I have all of this knowledge from healthcare, but, you know, some of that does not translate into Salesforce. So my biggest thing was joining a team of <laughs> like 16 people and them realizing that I didn't have the knowledge or anything that they did. And that that scared me really bad. But that's not the case. I have a very supportive team. Yeah. And I think you had a comment you were going to make, Lisa. Yeah, actually, regarding the pay scale. So I had been in healthcare administration for over 10 years, and I had earned my bachelor's and earned my PMP. And the first job I got increased my salary by over 80%. So the Salesforce pay is so much different than what I would have received if I'd stayed in that same career. Wow, that's impressive. 
Raphael, you it looked like you raised your hand too for uh, for the pay question, huh? Yeah, so at least for me, just remember that I was working as a physician, but I was working abroad in the Philippines. So I was earning in Philippine pesos. So even then, as a U.S. citizen, I still had to file taxes. So let's just say I was in the first couple of brackets. So I wasn't making that much in comparison to, to physicians here in the United States. So again, as I was looking to training in other jobs, EMT nursing, entry-level nursing, and also for uh, web development. Again, I was looking at entry-level positions. And once I was looking at Salesforce and also for the average for talent stacker grads. And I, I mean, I remember how much my parents made when I was growing up here. And let's just say that I'm basically making a middle-class salary and me and my wife were comfortable. And at least right now, especially with the economy, I think that we're fortunate that we're both working and we're both fairly comfortable and we can plan and save for the future. Yeah, that's great. And I I appreciate the transparency from everyone being willing to share which direction you went in. And I think the reality is that Healthcare is an entire industry. There's going to be some people who, you know, get paid a lot of money. And we we share very transparently on the show that, you know, average entry level salary for Salesforce professionals is about $72,000. And I think specifically for healthcare workers, you can sometimes leverage the skills that you have in the past to be more marketable to companies that might be specializing or might just have a focus on working with healthcare companies in general. So that sort of leads me to Another question that's come up throughout this, and I know Carly mentioned feeling like an imposter, like I'm not going to have those technical skills that everyone has, and they're going to realize I'm, I'm a fraud and I don't know what I'm doing, but it turns out that's not true. And then we take that and we go, you know, how did that impact you as far as not having a technology background? Even other than being a fear, how did you take the skills you had from your healthcare background and help transfer some of that into pivoting into Salesforce? Was it all absolutely washed away and meaningless? Or were there a lot of aspects of your healthcare background that you were able to take with you in this transition and they meant something in the transition? I took a lot of my, what you call soft skills or people skills over into my Salesforce career. I actually just had a conversation yesterday with one of my coworkers and it was about how our company hires more for, you know, the people skills versus the technical skills. Like, can you work with a team of people? Do you have active listening skills? You know, can you empathize with your end user on what their problem is, which are all very relatable in the healthcare industry. So that's really why they hired me. It was more so all of my soft skills versus my technical ones. Does anybody else want to touch on, you know, how they felt like their skills from healthcare transferred into technical career? I'll echo what Carly said with soft skills, definitely. Also, the empathy is a big one that really carries over to this industry as well. A lot of things that helped were being able to exercise my critical thinking skills as well as my attention to detail and communication. I feel like communication is huge. If you have communication down and if you can do it in a really good way, that's a huge skill and a huge asset to have. Yeah, and Raphael, it looked like you 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 had your hand raised, and and this is so true. Like I I hope that the audience is keying in on this. Like if you're one of those people who listen to a podcast and passing, and maybe you're not paying attention because nothing's like clicked in your head. Like 
let this be the thing that clicks in your head. Like there are so many transferable skills from healthcare and we'll see this in, in future episodes when we talk to educators as well. There is so much that matters and it's not your technical skills necessarily. It is all the things, all those soft skills we've talked about and really bringing those to life. So yeah, Raphael, what were your thoughts around you know what you brought with you from your healthcare background? Yeah, at least in my current position, again, I work for a consultancy and right now I'm working one-on-one with a lot of clients and these are generally small to medium businesses. So one thing that I am usually doing is uh, we have the initial call with the client and you talk with them and you go into their business process and what they're looking to gain out of Salesforce. So there is that aspect of the soft skills you have to be able to communicate. And the thing is, a lot of these clients, this is their first time dealing with Salesforce. So you, as the consultant or the business analyst, you have much more knowledge than they do. So that's kind of a echo of my old life, where as a physician, obviously, you have all this background knowledge of medicine, of the disease and the treatment. So you have to be able to communicate that knowledge into terms that the patient, or in this case, the client understands. So you have to tell them, here are the options. These are the ways that you can build out the Salesforce org to help you with your business. And you kind of tease out some information from them. Oh, uh, this is how we usually do this when we deal with vendors. So you have to be able to communicate well and also kind of tease out the requirements from the client in the same way, at least with a patient, you get kind of the signs and symptoms and their experiences with that. So at least that way, it's kind of, again, like a reflection of my old life in some ways. So I really am enjoying my job so far because it is, as uh, Laurie was saying before, it, it is really intellectually stimulating and you're learning a lot as you progress through, at least I'm progressing through my job. That's great to hear that there are so many transferable soft skills. Like no one mentioned actually working on a health cloud project or something with a medical company. You guys all focused on your soft skills. So I wanted to bring this back to the beginning to why everyone initially pivoted. You guys mentioned burnout. How are you feeling now? Like, are you feeling any burnout? Because it is a lot to study, but are you having work-life balance in your new job? Yes, I am, Anita. (laughs) Oh, um, (laughs) sorry. I get so excited talking about it. So my younger daughter just turned nine months and I got to see her crawl for the first time the other day because I was home working from home. And it was fabulous, and I might cry. Um, so yes, the work-life balance is amazing, and you know you don't have work-life balance in healthcare. <laughs> and uh, I'll just leave it at that. Anyone else? I would say currently, uh, my work-life balance is really good. I think that sometimes it depends on which company you're with that can have an impact on that. So currently, my my work-life balance is really good with the with the position that I have. I would describe a uh, work-life balance as having availability in the evening to do things, being able to step out for appointments, being able to spend time with friends and family. So for me, having that work-life balance is really important. And with the current company that I'm with, I'm able to enjoy that. So it's been great. 
how hard was it to do those things before? Like, did you have to, I mean, I don't know, I've never worked in healthcare, but do you have to ask for permission and stuff versus now you just go and do what you want? So in my previous job as a nurse, if I wanted time off, I have to request that like at the minimum six weeks before. The manager might even change that if there is an impending, very extreme shortage of staff. And of course, when it comes to holidays, we were expected to choose between the holidays, which ones we're going to work. (laughs) So I'm still trying to adjust now to how easy it is to request time off as long as someone will cover me cover the work that I do. And as long as I prepare ahead of time, my part of the project. So it's a whole new world when it comes to that. And it's, it takes some getting used to, but I'm learning. Um, at least for me, basically it's night and day because when I was working full-time as a primary care in the Philippines, I'd be in the clinic like six days a week, seeing patients for a couple hours at a time. In addition to that, I was also a on-call physician with an uh, ambulance service. So I'd be bunking with the uh, paramedics overnight. So if we had a call and they needed a physician for a, to make a house call, I'd be doing that. So it's like something you see on TV, like 3 o'clock in the morning, you get a call, you go out with the uh, paramedics. Um, and now in my work in consulting, it's very flexible because I work remote and the, the entire company is remote. The company does not have an office and you have certain internal meetings where you meet with everybody on the staff. You tell the supervisor, are you making progress on your current projects? Do you have any blockers? So you have to make those meetings. Obviously, you have to make your client meetings at the same time. But in between that, if you're doing configuration work, you're setting up the org, you can do that anytime you want. So basically, if you're a morning person, you could get up early and work on the org for a couple of hours. Or if, for example, you have a family, um, I don't have any kids, but if you do, if you want to be there to drop off the kids in the morning, or if you want to pick them up in the afternoon, you can do that. You can take off an hour and just make up the hour of work on your own time. So if once the kids are put down in bed and you want to put in a couple hours of work, you can do that. So basically, I can do my work on my own terms. And the best part is, compared to my previous life, I have my weekends to myself. So basically, Friday afternoon when I shut down the laptop, I have two days to myself, and that's like something that was previously foreign to me. So I know we touched on salaries earlier in the conversation, but I don't think we pointed out the difference in hours everyone's working. I'm assuming you guys are working less hours now versus before. Like, what what was your average week? Well, right now at my company, I'm a full time employee, so supposedly forty hours per week, right? But there's so much flexibility on that. One thing, though, that uh, there's a disadvantage, though, when I was working at night and then very tired as a nurse, the danger of driving home tired and sleepy was very real. I would have micro sleeps. 
And my husband would always be afraid of that. And of course, not adding the problem of snowstorms. So now I don't worry too much about that anymore. Yeah, I work more now than I, I did. But that was because I was paid per visit. And with COVID and all of the Medicare changes, my caseload took a nosedive. But I say that when I'm supposed to, I'm a full-time, you know, 40 hours or whatever, but it just, it does not feel like 40 hours, especially when you're working from home and you can get up and go do the laundry or go make lunch or, you know, do whatever. So it's like, I'll work for an hour and then take a break and do something around the house. But I feel like that is helpful as well, because when my kids get home, then I have, I don't have to do all of those other things that I was doing when I was working in healthcare, I can focus on them when they get home as opposed to all of these other things. So I'm working more, but it really doesn't feel like it at all. Yeah. So similar to Carly, actually, when I was in healthcare administration, it was a set 40 hours a week, eight to five. And my first Salesforce job, actually, I had longer hours there. So that was something that I was able to get used to. And then I pivoted to a new job where I have more of like a set 40 to 45 hours. So it's been a nice transition. Yeah, at least for me, when I was working full time in the Philippines, again, this is a little, maybe about 10, 15 years ago now. At the time, I had the full time clinic job. And then on the weekends, that's when I'd be doing the part time work for the ambulance service. So I was all over the place and it was definitely more than 40 hours. And the worst part of it is my wife was also, she's an OBGYN. So you can imagine her hours and her time on call. So we were a young couple and it really put a strain on our marriage, to be honest. And at least now, obviously it's a lot better. I'm here at the house most of the time. So she works as a medical laboratory scientist. She kind of does the night shift that uh, Lori's describing, but it's not too far away. So we're a one commuter family. So we're not both commuting at the same time. And that's not a huge expense for us. And at least now, <laughs> to be honest, um, again, I am working 40 hours a week. But the problem for me is old habits die hard because before working as a physician, even if you're off the clock, you're still mentally on the clock. You're thinking, oh, what about this patient? Maybe I should call in and oh, what's their current temperature? And you're always checking up. So you're mentally still working when you're off the clock. And again, old habits die hard. Even now, I can be off the clock and it still intrudes, but that's not the company's fault, that's actually me. That's more of myself internally thinking about stuff when I shouldn't be. So I'd be thinking, oh, maybe this would be the best setup for the uh, org. And this would be in the middle of dinner. My wife looks at me and says, you're thinking about work, aren't you? And I, I, I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you don't have to do that anymore. So yeah, she's completely right. So if there's any working outside of work, it's more internal than anything that my company places on me. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, that's what, I mean, for anyone who knows my story, that's basically what I did was I wanted to be a high school teacher out of college. And I think most people know about what that pays. And uh, so, yeah, my pay was a lot higher than I expected, similar to what you're talking about, Lori. And, you know, you get to these pay scales where it's like, you know, I never 
was really planning out a life that required a lot of income. And so, you know, for me, a pivotal moment was my daughter being born and being able to take a, a massive pay cut because I was in a position to take a massive pay cut. And it, it buys you freedom, right? Like being able to work from home and having your time to yourself. And like Harley was mentioning, it's huge being able to work from home, even coming out of college and going into a remote job is a big deal. And I worked one year in an office. Like I feel so fortunate that I only had to do one year in an office, but coming out of the office and back home was a massive transition to to Carly's point, having everything done. When I got off work at five o'clock, I was done. It was it was time to actually do the things I wanted to do in my day and not spend the time doing all the things I had to do to make up for it. So I want to say thank you to everyone. You know, we have covered so much information and I know this has been a lot and you guys have been very transparent and sharing with us, you know, everything from why you initially decided to go this path, <laughs> how much money you're making without giving us the exact numbers, like the transition and what impact that had for you and overcoming some of these fears that I think we all have, whether we're coming, even if we're coming from another tech background, I think that somebody transitioning into Salesforce or a new career path is going to have fears. But yeah, I just appreciate you guys so much for for walking us through you know, the nuances and a lot of the psychology behind this transition. And I think this is going to help a lot of people, whether they're healthcare or, you know, some other completely separate background, understand that there can be a light with a career in Salesforce and that there really are opportunities and it's not too good to be true. It's just a reality if you lean into it. So thank you all so much. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. If any of you listeners out there are interested in pivoting into a Salesforce career, including Rafael's wife, <laughs> head over to talentstacker.com forward slash start to sign up for the free five-day challenge. And if you haven't already, make sure whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now, make sure to go ahead and subscribe and leave us a rating and written review. We do prefer five-star reviews here at Talent Stacker. And we're going to be doing a Q&A episode every single month during this series. So um, make sure to head over to talentstacker.com forward slash voicemail, and you can leave us an audio voicemail there with your question, or uh, you can just write a written review and leave your questions in that. So thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonza. If you like what we do at this Scrappy Can Do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.